0: With you guys here today on this Tuesday afternoon, the Golden State Warriors have tied the NBA Finals 1-1 after a 107-88 beatdown at Chase Arena. Big time bounce back game for the Golden State Warriors, Boston Celtics, uh, really the tale of two teams here. We're going to be getting into all of that. The return of GP2, Andre Iguadawa missing Game 2, who's now listed as questionable for Game 3 with some knee inflammation. All of that and more on today's episode. Once again, for all of you guys out there, my name is Sam Orlick. This is the We Believe Golden State Warriors basketball podcast presented by Sports Ethos. And we got a series, man. Um, you know, I preached this on the last episode, but I'm sure a lot of Warriors fans out there were quite disappointed with the game one loss, feeling nervous, must win game for the Warriors, and the Warriors did not disappoint. Um, you know, I have to say from the start, literally from the opening tip, Draymond Green first possession ties up Al Horford in a jump ball, Boston would win the jump ball End up missing the shot on the possession. But I just felt like that really set the tone early for the Warriors and for the Celtics as to the intensity level that the Warriors were going to be bringing to the game. And that really carried on throughout the game. Draymond Green, there was a little bit of um, matchup changes here as i mentioned and was expecting that the strategy from the coaching staff was going to be different coming into game two for the warriors and it was draymond green matched up against Jalen brown as the primary defender brown got hot early in the first quarter he hit a few threes he got an and one um at one point boston got out to an early lead 22 17 i believe and Jalen brown had accounted for at least nine of those points and then from there, he really struggled. He'd finished 5 of 17 on the night, mostly defended by Draymond. And so that is the Draymond Green effect. Um, Clay Thompson ended up switching on to Al Horford. Horford, after an otherworldly Game 1 performance where, again, for those of you who don't remember, had a game, a team-high 26 points and six three-point makes, which um, was the best of his career in any game, uh, regular season or postseason. So in this game two, did not attempt a three, one of four from the lot, from the field, mostly misses, missing at the rim, primarily defended by Klay Thompson. That switch really seemed to work in favor of the Warriors. In fact, you know, let's just get right into it here. The big three... For Boston, in game one, which we talked about, Horford, Smart, and White, who were just so good, um, big-time scorers, really disappeared in this one. White was the only one in double figures with 12. Um, as a group, the trio combined, two of seven from three. Horford did not attempt any of those three-pointers, Um And I just felt like it was, you know, the others struggled for Boston, and that was the difference. That's really what I talked about on on last episode, that it was the others for Boston who really stepped up and hitting shots. Warriors conceded them open shots, and they switched it up a little bit in Game 2, and that obviously paid dividends as the Celtics were more or less effectively blown out. 19-point game, but up by 30 at one point. Steph Curry did not even need to play in the fourth quarter. Other than that, and we're gonna hit on some other keys, but a lot of other team stats um, more or less aligned. So talking about rebounds, 43-42 Edge Boston, talking about assists, 24 to 25 Edge Warriors, free throws 13 to 17 versus 13 of 20 edge warriors. Oh, I'm sorry, 14 of 20. Uh, field goals 30 of 80 versus 39 of 86 edge warriors. And then three-pointers, 15-37 to for both squads. So a lot of normalized stats there team-wise, but obviously the biggest difference was turnovers. Boston had 18, Warriors had 12, Warriors had 15 steals. My God, that's a lot of steals. One from Draymond, three from Curry, two from Thompson, three from Looney, two from Poole, three for Otto Porter, and one for Bielitsa. The Warriors were just all over the place, all types of handsiness on drives, reading the passing lanes. They just really gave Boston a fit. From a turnover perspective on the Boston side, You had four from Tatum, two from Horford, three from Brown, four from Smart, two from Robert Williams, two for Derek White, and three from Grant Williams. The starters for Boston combined for 13 of their 18 turnovers. And that was the difference. Warriors got nine more shots, um, hit the same amount of threes, rebounds and assists more or less the same, free throws more or less the same it was really the extra shot attempts that were the difference. So what else can we talk about here? Tatum and Brown ended up becoming high-volume shooters. Tatum, 8 of 19 from the field, 6 of 9 from 3. Jeez. Um, 6 of his 8 field goal makes were from 3. Otherwise, from the field, he could not get it going. Jalen Brown, 5 of 17 from the field, 3 of 9 from 3. So... I mean, that's pretty good. Your top two dogs got you nine of your 15 three-pointers on the night on 18 attempts, not bad. Tatum had 28 points, Brown had 17. Tatum was a minus 36 in the 34 minutes he played. Ouch. Um, And on the Warriors' side, you had Kavon Looney bounce back, going 6 of 6 from the field after going 1 of 4 in Game 1. Looney was incredible in his typical quiet ways. Looney was tied. It was a three-way tie for being plus 24. You had Steph Curry, Kavon Looney, and Otto Porter both hit the plus 24 mark. Gary Payton, we hit on a little bit. Payton returned, finally, 25 minutes. He looked incredible. Three of three from the field. He hit a corner three, which is his first shot after he missed two free throws. And just playing... The hard-nosed defense coming up with rebounds, making the right play. His presence is felt on this team when he's on the floor. You can see it. He elevates everyone, just knowing that he is an option out there. He's small, but he plays big. He's got that incredible wingspan. He's a menace defensively. He's always going to be available to provide highlight donks and and different type, types of high-energy plays. Just. Really great to get GP2 back in there. He he looked good. The elbow looked good. The shot looked good. Perfect from the field. He missed a couple free throws. Oh, well, he wasn't really a great free throw shooter over this regular season anyways. And so that was really big. The other big adjustment here was Jordan Poole. 6 of 14 from the field, 5 of 9 from 3. Jordan Poole had an incredible close to the third quarter, um, hitting two big-time three-pointers, including one 3 At half court, at the buzzer, it was a quintessential pool party, to say the least. 17 points, like we said. Um, Struggled with the turnovers a little bit. He had a team-high three of the team's 12. So that's going to be a point of emphasis for Jordan Poole. Poole um, did, you know, five of his six makes were from three. So early, it was Poole attacking the rim. Um... And he struggled, sent away by Robert Williams, sent away by Derek White. Boston has length at the rim. And so trying to penetrate the defense off the dribble with defenders chasing you down is going to be difficult to either finish, um, finish over the top or you're going to get blocked. And so for Jordan, pull the adjustment, take the open shot, which more or less is a jumper. All six of Jordan's makes were jumpers. Again, five of those were threes, and then one was a uh, top-of-the-key jump shot. So, for Jordan Poole, you know, 22 and a half minutes, 17 points. I really like that production off the bench. Poole was our second leading scorer behind Steph Curry's 29. Klay Thompson continues to struggle to put the ball in the hoop. Four of 19 from the field, one of eight for three. Uh, Thompson even got some minutes during the fourth quarter garbage time, just Steve Kerr Trying to give him whatever opportunities he can to get into some rhythm to get it going, but we all know Clay Thompson. You know, it only takes one shot to really right the ship here. So good looks for Clay; they're just not dropping. The defense is good. The effort is there. The effort's good. He's healthy and available, which is most important. So expect to see Clay to get going in one of these games. But that's what makes this game and this win so impressive. Is this Warriors team is very deep. They've got a lot of options. You had five players score in double figures. Kevon Looney was the third highest scorer. Um, Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins tied for 11. Green had nine points on much more efficient shooting, two of three from the field, five of seven from the foul line, five boards, seven assists, a steal, and a block. Green was absolutely money, set the tone defensively, got the guys out in transition, open looks, and running. And then what about Otto Porter, you know, For a guy that only had three points and three steals and yet was plus 24 in 15 minutes of play, I think that really speaks to his impact on the floor. He just does so much of everything, and his presence opens up the floor for everyone because of of how lethal of a three-point shooter he is. His defense is so underrated. His ability to switch, he's very good with his hands, as evidenced by the three steals, just really great to have Otto Porter back in action. Um, him and GP2 and Bielitsa, uh as well as Jordan Poole, all played very well off the bench. And I think that was really the difference here for the Warriors, game one to game two. You got a lot of production off the bench in a lot of different ways, offensively, defensively. There wasn't a big drop off when, you know, Steph Curry has to sit. And so I think that's going to be a really big piece of this series moving forward. So um, what happens now? Well, Warriors are in Boston right now, getting ready for game three, kick off, uh, kicking off tomorrow. We've got two games in Boston. I really think that the Warriors need to go out and win game three. Um, that's really going to steal all the momentum away from Boston. Warriors are going to be feeling good about themselves. And then you really put Boston on their heels. You put the pressure on them in Game 4 to tie up the series, to then go back to the, to Golden State, uh, where hopefully we can close it out in six games. So I think, just like the Warriors had to make a lot of adjustments, I do expect the Celtics to do the same. I mean, Al Horford, one for four shooting and no threes when you have Klay Thompson on you. So I think that for Boston. They're going to be taking a look at the film and feel like, you know, they stole a game at, uh, on the road and they're going to feel really good about that. But then at the same time, there's a lot more that they can do on their side with the adjustments that the Warriors made to make sure that they're getting good looks at the rim um, and taking care of the ball, right? I think it was the Warriors getting away from the zone, staying man, the cross matching really threw Boston for a loop. Um, and then everyone on the everyone in a white jersey or Warriors jersey was sitting in the passing lanes, ready to make a read and a steal, as um, Tatum and Brown and others struggled to get open looks and look to dump it off to their teammates. And um, yeah, I think you know at least in the social media sphere, mostly Twitter, a lot of Celtics fans complaining about Draymond Green his physicality he nearly got um you know he did get one technical he nearly got a second one green just is an instigator we know this this is draymond green at his best he plays with heart with intensity with emotion he he constantly toes the line between too much and being too intense and that's what makes him so good he he is able to control his emotions in the right way but still instigate, get under your skin, make his presence felt on both sides of the floor and that's what we need from him. When the other teams more worried about Draymond Green and and he's being too physical or or he's getting guys, you know, tied up in silly plays whatever they're getting all focused and distracted from the game and more focused on Draymond Green or the referees and that's what the Warriors want. That's what it's going to take, right? That's you need these types of guys, the Dennis Rodmans, the Chris Pauls, the Patrick Beverly's the Shane Battier, you know, whatever plug in whatever name you want there, but that's a big part of winning championship basketball is you need the enforcer, you need the instigator. You need the guy who's going to bring heart and energy and isn't necessarily the most talented from a skills perspective. You know, Draymond's days of hitting, you know, six threes in a game, I, th- I think we're are kind of past that a little bit. And this team is kind of past the days of writing, of you know, the, sh- the hot shooting of, of Curry and Thompson. I mean, Curry continues to put on a clinic, playing at a very elite level, scored 29 points, um, kind of a volume shooter, but the way in which he is able to get to the rim and score, whether it's from the three point line, um, from you know from a, from a jump shot or from the rim, I was concerned coming into the series. You know they've got Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart's historically done so well in Curry. I'm not seeing it. I'm not. I'm not concerned for Curry. Curry can get his. It's pretty obvious. And so I think that. And again, drawing comparisons to the Memphis series, I feel pretty good about the Warriors and their chances because I'm just not seeing Boston really having a shot. If the Warriors can continue to build on their execution and strategy from game two, anticipate Boston's adjustments in game three and four and moving forward, able to win a game on the road or two, I really think that they just don't have a chance. Boston is an incredibly talented team, but you look at – what it took for them to win game one, um, and, and what it took for the Warriors to win game two, I mean, the Warriors didn't even play that amazing in game two. Um, it's not like you had three guys score 30, or you had one guy hit all his shots. Sure, you got five threes from Jordan Poole, um, who went five of nine, but that's typical for Jordan Poole. He does that, um, and that's on a night where Clay Thompson and Steph Curry both were high-volume shooters. Um, and when you look at all the stats, you know, this was really about Boston beating themselves, throwing the ball away with turnovers, which had a lot more to do with the way that the Warriors decided to defend the Celtics um, than anything. And so we'll see. Again, just like we talked about um, for our recap episode after Game 1, You know, this is a, you gotta take this one game at a time. Everything can change after a game. Um, You know, Boston can come out here in game three and totally flip the script, but at least from my perspective, as somebody who's, you know, providing my insight and analysis on the series, we can really only talk about what's happened and what we've seen so far. And what I've seen so far is what Boston did in Game One is less likely to be reproduced um, in another game this series than what the Warriors did in Game Two, and so it just seems like it's going to be a lot easier for the Warriors to win games than it's going to be for the Celtics because what it's going to take for the Celtics to win games is incredibly good shooting from a lot of different guys. What's interesting too. Um, is it's not like there was a huge drop-off from a scoring perspective on both sides. It was more the Warriors playing better defense and and limiting Boston's um, attempts. As we look ahead to this highly contested Game 3, which I do think is probably going to be the most important game of this series thus far, aside from whatever the deciding game ends up being, um again just a quick little recap we've got Andre Godot, who is questionable dealing with knee inflammation Robert Williams who took a fall in game two um, is reportedly okay but a lot of the Boston side is saying that you know he's he's playing through something he doesn't look like himself um, he's given it his best but he's not hundred percent you know I'd say at least the eye test on my side, That seems to match up. Robert Williams has been, you know, he is a force at the rim, 100%. He's sending away a lot of shots. Jordan Poole especially, not able to get to the rim like he typically would. And so as a rim protector, his presence is felt. But you can just see he is a little hesitant at times and not quite putting on that, you know, dominant big man performance that you would typically expect from somebody of his size and athleticism, um, as the Celtics, you know, would like to use him. So we'll continue to monitor that and see how it goes. Would be great to get Andre Iguodala back again. He did look good in Game One, but with the return of Gary Payton and, and as good as he's play, been playing, and Jordan Poole, you know, the Warriors have. You know, Steve Kerr has a lot of options at his disposal, and that's what makes this team so good. In a night where Klay Thompson only has 11 points and Andrew Wiggins only has 11 points, you don't miss a beat because you've got Poole stepping up with 17, Looney scoring in double figures as well. And so we're not as reliant on Klay Thompson to have a big game. Sure, it definitely helps. And the one stabilizing factor in all of this so far in this series has been Steph Curry you know, who had 29 points in game two and 34 points in game one. So we do 100% need Steph Curry to continue to produce at that high level. It certainly doesn't hurt that Curry um, was rested for the entire fourth quarter and finished the night only playing 32 minutes because it did look like he was on pace to play, you know, a pretty high allotment of minutes of Steve's, as Steve Kerr mentioned um, in the game one loss that he was going to look to uh, plug in Steph Curry a little bit more than usual. And so I think that this all plays in favor of the Warriors. Now, like I had just said, um, you know, you're on the road now you're going to a hostile environment. The Celtics are hungry. This isn't a team that's just going to fall over, um, and wait until it's too late to try and do something with it. The Celtics have been in this playoff hunt for a good number of years, mix and matching the pieces, trying to get to this stage, trying to win a championship, and here they are, ready to go. Series is tied. We're back to their home floor. You know, all the pressure is on them now to win their games at home, and I do think that the Warriors can come out and steal game three. If they're able to steal game three, maybe they can get game four, but I think that's a little overzealous. I think, you know, I would be happy with a split in Boston leave the series tied at 2-2, Warriors come back home, take care of Game 5 at home, and then close it out Game 6 on the road. Um, I think that's totally doable here, especially, again, with how everyone's been playing. You've got Klay Thompson with a huge opportunity here to bounce back in a big way, um, just finish some, o- some more open shots. Again, I think that there's going to be a lot more uh, adjustments defensively for the Celtics in how they try and guard the Warriors. Offensively for the Celtics, I'm not sure you know what else they can do here. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown continue to be these high usage guys. Um, Smart Horford and Derek White just aren't high volume scorers. They can chip in at times and Derek White's been playing incredibly well at a high level on both sides. Um, Al Horford's offense tends to kind of Come and go, you know, as we're seeing one game, he's hot, he scores 20. Next game, he's a ghost and he kind of disappears and only takes a few shots. So, it's going to be interesting to see how all this works out. At the end of the day, it's great that we're getting to see some incredibly high level basketball for two franchises who deserve to be on this stage playing with a lot of pride and intensity, Um, both teams showing a lot of poise, and, you know, just overall good sportsmanship. I mean, the game's getting choppy, of course, as it does when when it's high stakes. But, again, nothing like the vibe that it was feeling from the Memphis series. Um, keeping it professional, you know, Marcus Smart, uh, Grant Williams, you know, they're getting knocked around by Draymond a little bit. They're fine. They're playing through it. It is what it is. Sure, the Celtics fans on. On social media want to complain about Draymond and everyone wants to complain about Draymond I mean who wouldn't if Draymond was on another team I'd be complaining about him so um that's his role right if if people are complaining about Draymond and complaining about his physicality his intensity he should have been ejected he should have gotten more tees he should have been called for more fouls That's what he wants, that's his job. He wants to get in your head, he wants the narrative and focus to be about his play and less about the game, make it about the refs and not about the game. So you just see the Warriors' experience and um, cohesion really coming on full display here. Um, And I mean, they've just got so many pieces. And not everyone has to play well to not everyone has to play well offensively for the Warriors to win. They've got so many different ways to score. Again, five guys in double figures for the Warriors in game two, which was a big difference from game one. Um, Draymond Green showing, um, you know, his ability to get downhill and get fouled and get to the foul line. That was one thing that I thought. Worked into the Warriors' favor in game two. The Warriors got almost everyone on the Celtics in foul trouble in the first half. Um, you know, Jalen Brown had two fouls. Jason Tatum had a few fouls. Horford had a few fouls. White had a few fouls. So you start to get guys worried about um, what they can do defensively and, and start playing the foul game and, and being worried about fouling out of the game. It, it changes coaches' rotations. It changes... Um, your willingness to overcommit or commit to a play and that's when Draymond's at his best going 100 miles an hour after a defensive rebound putting pressure on the opposing defense uh, the fake defensive handoffs where he drops steps and goes straight to the rim just Draymond needs to be a factor he needs to be accounted for when he's on the floor when he is Directing traffic and standing at the top of the key with the ball in his hands, he's really easy to defend. When he is in motion, attacking, and making you feel him, that's when he's at his best because that's when you're focused on him. It just takes that half second that you're not focused on Steph, Clay, or Poole, or Wiggins, and they get an open three or they get an open look or or that Um, moment creates an opportunity for someone to go backdoor and get a layup so yeah I think overall feeling really good about this series game two was a huge momentum shift from a strategic perspective really curious to see what Boston does in game three I am expecting them to come out with a lot of physicality um, as well as a different mindset and see what adjustments they decide to make see how the Warriors respond to that it's going to be a really big and important games here three and four I think the Warriors are up for the challenge they can win games at home on the road it doesn't matter um and yeah let's go dubs that's all I got for you guys today and Real quick, guys, before we sign off, for all you fantasy players out there, this is a reminder that there is no such thing as an offseason in fantasy, only the pre-draft season. And here at Sports Ethos, the pre-draft season has already begun. We've got our experts pushing out lessons learned and draft analysis on these incoming rookies so that you can get a jump ahead on your draft prep. And we're going to have incredible free agents, free agency and summer league summer league coverage as well, but only if you're a part of our premium membership team. So stop what you're doing, go to sportsethos.com now, and click on the premium tab to grab a fantasy pass today. Seriously, just $6 a month, and it's yours. We'll see you there. And once again, this has been a We Believe Golden State Warriors basketball podcast, a sports ethos presentation. If you haven't already, please give me a follow over at Twitter. That's at S-D-O-R-L-I-K. Subscribe, rate, review the show. Thanks for tuning in, guys. And